0: Hello, welcome to Boss Women, a podcast about women, comedy, and business. My name's Katie, and this is my mum, Karen. Who have we got on this week, mum? We have the wonderful Shona McCarthy, the Chief Executive of the Edinburgh Festival Fringe Society. We've known Shona since she started her post as Chief Executive of The Fringe. Before Shona came on board at The Fringe Society, Shona was the Chief Executive of the Culture Company leading on Derry's inaugural year as the UK's City of Culture. She was also Chief Executive at Imagine Belfast in 2008, the Festival of Ideas and Politics, Chief Executive of Cinematic, the Film Festival for Young People, Director of the Foyle Film Festival, and director of the British Council Northern Ireland. Mama
1: said, there'll be days like this, there'll be days like this,
0: Mama said. Thank you for joining us. We're sitting in Shona's lovely office at the Fringe Society, aren't we? We are. With that like huge big clock in front of us which will tell us when we're time's up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in the introduction, Shona, we listed various arts organisations that you've worked with before. How does compare how does it compare working in Edinburgh at the Fringe Society to what you've done in the past? Um, I mean, I, I tell
1: people all the time that this is this is officially my favourite job ever. I kind of feel like it's really? the one... Yeah, I feel, feel like great. it's the one that sort of everything else has sort of led up to and yeah. makes sense of everything that happened before. And in a way, for me, it's been a massive luxury because everything... With the exception, I suppose, of the British Council, the time my time at the British Council in Northern Ireland, everything else was set up from scratch. So I kind of walked into situations, whether it was Imagine Belfast, whether it was Cinemagic, um, or the the City of Culture in Derry. Mm-hmm. Um, where there was no company, there was no bank account, there was no uh, team, and so I was setting things up from scratch, raising a budget from scratch, and most of those things were complete time-bound initiatives as Mm -hmm. well. So to walk into something that has 70-year history, um, that was, I mean, the fringe has grown to this incredible thing over 70 years there is a really strong team here already my predecessor Kath Mayland, had had left things in such good shape so for me this was an absolute privilege to walk into Something that I could actually take my time with and stand back and and look and learn, particularly in the first year, and see where I could add value from my own previous experience, rather than just hurtling into something and, and feeling that something needed fixed or set up from scratch. So yeah. it's been an absolute joy to come into to come into this, something that I had loved so much from afar. Yeah. Anyway, yeah.
0: Yeah. It still must be tough though, because. I mean, it must have been tough to start to start companies from scratch and get people interested. And now um, it must be difficult with the fringe having to be impartial because all the participants that come here they um, expect impartiality and all the same treatment. Is that difficult?
1: Um, I guess not really because the, the the reason I wanted to come to this festival rather than any other. Um, It's because of all those founding principles of the fringe. It's because it's open access, because um, it's not curated. I mean, parts of it obviously Mm -hmm. are curated, but it's not... It doesn't have one kind of artistic voice to rule them all. It's, mm-hmm. it, I mean, what I loved about it was there's like a there's a kind of cultural democracy that underpins the fringe. That um, really anybody who wants to have a voice um, can have a voice on this platform. So it was that open access, uncurated, uncensored, democratic thing that underpins the fringe that attracted me to it in the first place. And. I, I I kind of didn't want to come into a situation where I was to make you know I would make decisions about what people would see um I suppose coming from a very a working class background myself and and growing up in a place where the arts were kind of held up as this Distant thing, you know, that people like me weren't really part of. I didn't grow up in a culture of classical music or opera or ballet. I grew me up neither. A, <laughs> I mean, I grew up in a kind of rural village in mm-hmm. Northern Ireland during the Troubles. So. Um, so there's th- th- I, I, I kind of come from a space where I like the idea of the definition of art and culture of being as wide as possible and open so, access, yeah. yeah so the fringe just spoke to me in so many ways that I, I mean I'm totally in my comfort zone in this space because anything can happen. yeah <laughs> anything can happen you know any kind of creative
0: idea can happen here Yes yeah. but what if it's you know politically incorrect or um you know controversial yes and there's
1: nothing wrong with there's nothing wrong with controversial in fact sometimes art and and uh, creativity sh- should be controversial mm. especially in the world that we find ourselves in it's kind of yeah, I mean, many artists and creatives and comedians, indeed, um, want to use that platform or that voice that they have as a means of protest yeah. against what's happening around. But you, the you
0: can't even show that you like that, really. Ah, oh, well, I mean, we're not, th- we're not that rigid. <laughs> <laughs> I, get, yeah. I don't
1: sit with some sort of poker face. Yeah. You yeah. It shows, you know, if I'm enjoying something, I'm obviously enjoying it, but. But sometimes, I mean, sometimes even when you don't enjoy something, you learn something from it, you Mm -hmm. know, or or if you go to something and it's not your particular taste, it can take you three or four days to process what has just happened and you you get something from it anyway. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I mean, the the, the impartiality thing is... um, it's something that I've I kind of been persuading the team here to be a wee bit just less poker faced about because
0: yeah, and we're all human it's, it's, and yeah, and it's all more hungry.
1: about being fair, yeah. Uh, and, yeah, and treating everybody fairly and uh, that then then never
0: expressing a view about whether you like a show or not, yeah, yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah, we don't want to speak too much about the fringe because as you know, Katie and I run a venue, and <laughs> <laughs> we would hate to get. You to say bad things or good things (laughs) or anything about (laughs) us. Maybe not to say anything bad about the Gilda Balloon in front of us. (laughs) I
1: I think I I can safely say, regardless of impartiality, that I massively respect everything that you've done. Oh, that's very kind. The Fringe would be a poorer landscape without Gilda Balloon. I would just uh,
0: say one more thing about the Fringe before we move on to being women in business. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, do you think that you can move the fringe on? Do you think there's something really good that you can you bring to it
1: um i, I mean I don't think I personally can do anything i think what i i think what I have is in an uh, as i said the luxury of time of oversight and of perspective and um so it's all of you that bring. The fringe to yeah. you know um, the, and I guess that I'm really conscious of that being the role of the fringe society is that connector, that perspective piece, that thing that um, sort of enhances what all of you do. But mm-hmm. it's 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 all of you, it's the participants, it's the venues, it's the promoters, it's the performers that make the fringe. Um, but since you've asked me, Karen, though, <laughs> I, am to, I am going to. I am going to promote. We've we we published as alongside the French programme this year a kind of real labour of love. Um, mm-hmm. Is this um, this publication called the Fringe Blueprint? And it's it's really. It's really been the result of that kind of listening over my first year, and then a, a massive kind of fringe-wide consultation, really not a consultation is such a boring word, a conversation yeah. with people, and a kind of listening conversation over the last couple of years. Um, and using the 70th anniversary last year, which was such a milestone to say, what might this look like in the 75th anniversary, and what can the society do to enhance what all of you do? And mm-hmm. um, so we've got this Fringe blueprint, which is eight big ambitions for the 75th anniversary. I'm super excited about it because it's a culmination of everything that people have told us. And are they tangible um, goals? Like they're absolutely tangible oh, goals, yeah. and and some of them, none of them we can do by ourselves, mm-hmm. really, and some of them some of them will feel intangible or things that we've no control of but I I kind of don't readily accept that Um, so things like um, making the fringe affordable um, and that's from the fringe society itself actually taking a bit of a lead on that so you'll know that we've frozen registration fees for the fringe over the last 10 years and we've just got the board to agree to another 5 years, in real terms that is a super saving for people because it hasn't even gone up with inflation Mm -hmm. Um, and, and if If I get my way, we'll never increase registration fees again. They'll stay static. Um, We've made a commitment to reducing the commission on box office from four percent to three percent over the lifespan of the blueprint. Mm -hmm. Um, So we're kind of putting our money Mm -hmm. where our mouths are and saying we'll find other ways to raise the resource. Um, But we're asking, for example, accommodation.
0: I know that's going to say the cost
1: of accommodation in
0: Edinburgh is. It honestly came up as the single big barrier for our staff and for performers as well it's crazy nightmare
1: and and you know there was a sense well that's market forces there's nothing we can do about that but i don't buy that i really don't believe that because if we allow that to continue to escalate then you're in danger of choking the very thing that makes all the other impacts of this festival
0: happen i think what what we have to look at is the exploiters, because there is so much exploitation, you know, with people putting their their prices up, not only for accommodation, but right, for bars and bars and cafes, bars and, and, cafes yeah. and hotel rooms. And you know, you can get a hotel room for ninety pound in in October, and then it's two hundred and fifty. Yeah. And you know. Yeah. Well, there's these kinds of things, but those are you know, all the
1: kinds of things that, that that we're trying to tackle, that we're trying to take on, and that we're asking the city to partner with us on. If they really value this festival and what it brings mm-hmm. reputationally, I mean, it's a global brand. Not yeah. ever There's nowhere I've gone and think in this job I get the privilege of global travel, mm. and everywhere I go, the respect. The recognition
0: yeah. of the of the brand of the Edinburgh Fringe is just massive. Yeah, something mm. that I find so exciting about going to other places and saying, "Oh, I'm from Guild Bloom part of the Edinburgh Fringe, and people are like, "Oh my!" You know the reaction. Uh, they just the reputation that it has is just phenomenal, and it makes you realise how lucky we are to actually live and work in this city. I think it's yep. an amazing thing to be part of. Yeah. What I was moving say, on. No, what I was going to say about the blueprint <laughs> is that I, I've. I'm super inspired by it I think it's an amazing thing and we've also tried to put together our own vision of where we want to be by 2020 and I think it's important to keep you know, evaluating that and so I'm going to take that home and copy it all
1: <laughs> yeah. So well, shame, it, shame
0: it doesn't a- really relate to us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It
1: belongs to everybody. And I think I think you'll find a lot of
0: that does relate directly yeah. to you as yeah, well. Exactly. Do you think? Right, yeah, like, I'm looking forward to have a read. reading it. So, we're asking all of our guests, obviously we are two women in the arts industry, what's your experience of being a, a businesswoman in the arts industry from yeah. everywhere that you've been in the past? Whoa, gosh! I mean, that's, it's such a big
1: question, you know. Uh, and I, you know, I started out almost sort of straight from from university, being in an educational theatre company for a year, and um, being paid a fiver a week on top of my dole, and realising that that wasn't a particularly sustainable <laughs> position. Um, and then, you know, my first job on a children's film festival in Belfast, and. Um, you know it's i think things have really changed mm-hmm. you know cuz i remember I, I remember as a young woman when i was only in my early 20s um Saying something that uh, around a board table, and I felt I felt I was only kind of invited to the table in a tokenistic way because in northern in the Northern Ireland context, mm. I was young, I was female, and I was Catholic, yeah. and these were all tick box tick, things yeah. that were required around board tables and stuff, and um, and I remember boys in, what I thought was a fairly sensitive disagreement with um, one of the many men around a board table yeah. when I was only in my early twenties mm-hmm. and finding myself pinned against a wall by my throat. Um, no. and, and and but that was—I mean—you're talking what you know, twenty-five, mm-hmm. twenty-six years ago now, oh, um,
0: and it has I, changed in yes. the last thirty to forty years. Absolutely, that's exactly what what I'd say. I now. mean, I think about I forty years ago, and you know, no, the, the kind of abuse that we had to. Yeah. I mean, there's a, a difference in abuse. I think sometimes. Men are very confused now because they don't know how to act. But you know, touching someone on the shoulder is not abuse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, but there was things that we went through. You know, in our my younger days, I, you know, that I wouldn't even wouldn't talk about, talk about, about Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> you know. Make inappropriate propositioning. All, yeah. all kinds of stuff. But I think uh,
0: flashing. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Let's not go into it, Sharon. (laughs) Um, It's not a competition. But but, but honestly, um, I honestly, you know, I can't imagine any of those things happening well, certainly
0: not to me. Not, yeah, but I think um, some of the mental things that happen because it's sitting around a board table and the men having to have a greater voice, Yeah, you know, and you try and say something for and something you and get it. the proverbial pat on the head. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not saying that happens so much now, but it certainly has been going on for a long, long time. Yeah. Or oh, what do you know? Yeah, you know? For, for, for definite,
1: and I think... Uh, I mean, I. Uh, a lot of people don't like me for saying this, but I genuinely think I feel that, I, that like I had to work double hard. Yes. yes, I feel like I had to work double hard to have my voice heard, mm-hmm. to have recognition of salary requests. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, and I felt at times that there was an absolute assumption that a male in the equivalent role wouldn't, wouldn't have to make the case. They would, that, that, that yeah. there would almost be a case being made for why their salary should be higher uh, on their behalf, where mm-hmm. I'd have to make a real argument for why my salary should, should be, be equal. The,
0: the same. So yeah. there was, I mean, there's just so and much. that's stuff like not that. changed. You no, know, but you've had it. I mean, well, being a business, running your own business, you must have had. Well, I, in my case, I have had a louder voice in the past you but know I've just raised my to. voice yes yeah. and and that's one of the things that I'm not doing as much now mm-hmm. but uh, certainly when I started I you know I have a reputation of being loud and vicious. Yeah, and so. I'm in a very privileged position where I've come into a company at a certain level and I've haven't had to deal with any of that not had it I haven't noticed any
1: but that's, great, but, but that's great. that's to yeah. hear
0: because, and, yeah, exactly. and you know,
1: I have two daughters now as well, and. I, you know, I, to the best of my knowledge, and we have a very open relationship. Sure. They haven't had these kinds of challenges mm-hmm. either. So, I do you think that the world has changed? And um, I do think it has changed significantly. I think some of the other factors as well. And you, I'm sure, Karen, you will experience this too with um, having two children during that whole period of working on film festivals, working on Imagine yep. Belfast. These were these were big, demanding <laughs> initiatives, and. Mm-hmm. I felt like I could never quite take proper maternity leave because no. if I was out of the picture, I was going to suddenly be out of the loop. I was going to miss yeah. out on yeah. something. So I literally, I, I remember, you know, I remember breastfeeding my children in the storeroom at work because oh it yeah. wasn't quite acceptable to publicly breastfeed mm-hmm. at that time either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there was, still a, there was still a journey to be travelled yeah. when, when I think of these things and um, you know, bringing the babies into work and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, other members of the team helping me to kind of, uh, you know, look yeah, after that them. that <laughs> yeah. <helped> for me. <laughs> well,
0: I, I was actually going to say it was more the children saying to me, where have you been? Where? Why aren't you not here? You know, so missing them a lot, you know, yeah. having babysitters in the evening and not getting home from work till about nine or ten or, yeah. you know, or... Even the festival hardly. Yeah, so and, much, and all of know. the kind
1: of emotional tug and pull of that as yeah. well. You know, I was lucky in a kind of big family in Northern Ireland and my my nieces, some of my nieces were studying in Belfast at the time one of my daughters were small, so they were able to help me That's right. the channel. Yeah. But they they'd tell you, you know, the two girls would be standing at the end of the path in the morning and as I was heading off to work, Mummy, um, don't, um, don't oh, go Oh no, I and did that not just No, but then my niece would phone me ten minutes later and say, By the way, the minute you disappeared around <coughs> the corner they straight back and in. On, can, we, you know, can we can we play bricks now? <laughs> <laughs> you
0: know,
1: absolutely,
0: absolutely fine.
1: Absolutely <laughs> fine, yeah. So I kind of learned, <coughs> I learned fairly quickly to kind of not let that uh, emotional blackmail that children are well capable of completely destroy my work and life. You don't know. know what
0: you're talking about, I never did that. <laughs> <laughs> Katie looks very good at <laughs> um, yes. So this podcast is about my journey into the family business, uh, learning both... Business and life lessons from mum. Is there has there been any life lessons that you've learned from your mum? Oh, to be honest, I probably
1: learned a bit of resilience and stoicism from my mother. Because mm-hmm. um, my mum had eight of us within ten years. <gasps> wow! Um, and lived three miles from the nearest village and daddy took the car to work so really? she wanted a loaf of bread you know you're talking a three mile hike into and carrying the bags home and oh my God. this was but this was even before twin tub washing machines so you know <laughs> she, you're talking, and she washed by hand you're talking and- washing tiles in the bath and, and it sounds like something from the dark
0: ages but, <laughs> um, but you know I can ask you as well I bet you she didn't have um, disposable nappies either absolutely not. No, are you, don't are not are you joking it was safety pins and, and nappies so you did with um, wisdom, isn't it? That's right. So uh, you
1: know, I, I think probably more than anything from my mother was kind of resilience. Mm-hmm. And you know, no matter what life throws at you, and, you know, my, my dad died when I was only twenty-four. My mom has lost two of her children, mm-hmm. and so you know, she, she's it's that kind of no matter what life throws at you, you get up every day, you put one foot in front of another, and you get on with it. That's right. Um, yeah, which is, and you remember. <coughs> You remember the amazing things that you do have and mm-hmm. don't just dwell on the things you've lost yeah so, okay. I mean it's probably it's, it's, it's really probably hard to learn less to do with with
0: business and no not at all, at all. Life, I mean you know? I was totally completely stressed when Karen went on holiday and I just had an awful awful day and because there was loads of different issues happening I just didn't didn't want to go into work just was like I don't know what to do I can't do this and you were just like you have to look at the positive you have to look at the positive you have to Get up and go. Get up, you know. That you've always been like that, and I think it is fair, a very valid thing to to mm-hmm. have resilience and in, in yeah. a very stressful. I think industry. you can you can take a, a little bit of time to feel sorry for yourself, but not long. Yeah, you've got to, you know take a deep breath and i remember
1: know. that nobody's dead yeah yeah because yeah, exactly. I mean, sometimes people do die I know, and then? that's when you've Could got a kind of real sort of right to be to be stressed and everything you know
0: yeah. and
1: and i think also i mean i guess people actually not just women but the, the best people i've worked with before as well have a real sense of it's a good thing we're trying to do here yeah do you know what I mean we're not we're not trying to do a bad thing no exactly. you'll meet people who kind of cause you stress or mm-hmm. there be there be small things by the hundred every single day mm-hmm. that you'll come up
0: against Um but I suppose that not sweating the small stuff too much exactly it's one of the things I see all the time yeah. mm-hmm. And and it's hard not to because you want everything to be perfect but, yeah yeah you know so um, you have two beautiful grown-up daughters I do, now. I do.
1: <laughs>
0: what lessons would you like to pass on to them? Do you know, I, I kind of whenever the girls were born, I
1: thought, what, what do I want for them? And it's you're going to laugh at this kind because I wanted three things for them. I wanted them to be able to swim. I wanted them <laughs> to be able to uh, play music. And I wanted them to be able to speak another language. Wow, um, and I thought they would be three kind of like just, you know, the first ones are just about fitness and health and wellbeing and not being afraid of water. I'm a, I have a lifelong fear of water. Really? And really didn't. Uh, yeah, and I think it was partly because I wasn't thrown into a swimming pool. Yeah, like yeah Because were. we weren't near one. Yeah. <laughs> Well, exactly, Exactly. and we didn't get swimming lessons till it was way too late. Fear was already in there, you know, by secondary school. Yeah, sure. Um, So, and and the two of them swim like fish, you know, (laughs) and have no fear of water whatsoever, Um, and. And and they both play music, which I just think is
0: a toolkit for life. It is, in, yeah. You know, it's whether it's line.
1: everything from just like Dara plays harp and fiddle, and Tori plays the flute and the guitar, mm-hmm. and nothing to do with careers or or yeah, jobs or for anything pleasure. Of. Yeah, just totally seeing careers, them uh, at moments, you know, and they'll do it together in the house, and it's kind of, you know, Tori just say, oh, we haven't played together for ages, and they'll lift their instruments and just. It's just a nice. It's just a bonding thing for them, and you must just burst into tears watching them play Uh, regularly. (laughs) Because it's 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 a it's a phenomenal thing. Mm. and yeah and we had a big family gathering back in Ireland last Saturday and the two girls just totally confidently get up and play together for the family
0: you and didn't poke them and say go and play never once
1: never once really, really never once uh, and uh, to be honest if it had been a case of go and do your piano lessons now I wouldn't mm. have been remotely interested I think that's what happened
0: to you that's you what two. happened to me yeah I mean yeah I I, don't time or you don't because your grandchildren my niece and nephew just have it. They can both play the piano and play guitar and they just are musical and I wanted to well I didn't even want to play the I want wish that I had played the piano. I bought Katie when I was a piano, piano for her sixth birthday. <laughs> and, and I thought did. it was a Wendy House and it was <laughs> <laughs> So That's she slightly. was very disappointed.
1: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I think the, do you know I think musical instruments that were a bit like Harry Potter's wand, you know <laughs> it's, it's the instrument find select you yeah, kind yeah. of thing. You That's know? Right. And and I I kind of, I had never any stipulation of you will play harp and you will play fiddle. Yeah, it was sure. exposing them to musicians and to the opportunity of music and seeing what they responded to. Yeah. And, and I guess if there's, if there's a single lesson, then it wouldn't be just for my girls, but I'd love the whole world to live by this kind of release. Mm. Um, and I firmly believe that in every human being, there is something that we're passionate about there is something that, that we would get up every morning and wish to wake up for and mm-hmm. do. And I think if we had an education system and a means for actually drawing that out of people, how much better would the world be? Yeah. Um, and I, yeah. you know, I kind of, especially as we move into a future where fifty percent of the world's population will not have jobs mm-hmm. because there won't be the jobs. So we're kind of still live on this model of we're educating people for careers, mm-hmm. but if we know already that those careers are literally just not going to exist then we have to find a different way mm-hmm. and I think part of that way has to be about finding what just makes people want to wake up every day and if that doesn't necessarily mean it be about, about a job, if it means you can sing or you can play a musical instrument or you can swim or you can, do you know what I mean? yeah.
0: if, if we just yeah. need to Because I, I, so many, so, well I was going to say kids, I mean from teenager into your 20s, they still, so many people don't know what they want to do or mm-hmm. they don't know what their future is. I mean, I had a child at 19, so m- my main thing was providing for that child and, and uh, you know, getting enough money to do this. So I was just doing lots and lots and lots of different jobs. I had no idea what I wanted to do and I had mm-hmm. also had no idea what I was good at. Yeah. And it wasn't until... You know, a long time later, until he was in his teens, yeah. that you know, the gilded balloon came along, and I, you know, I just grabbed with both hands, doing something for myself, mm. um, but because but having bosses and being told what to do all the time, and just not having any, you know, thought of what you really want, you know. But
1: you only have to kind of spend you know twenty minutes in your company, Karen, to also know that the, the gilded balloon and theatre and comedy mm. and and creativity and live content, entertainment. Live okay. entertainment mm. is something that <laughs> you're so passionate right. about. You know I, I was asked to do or well I I uh, got the opportunity to do a TEDx recently and I talk about this thing because um, my brother is a professional pool player. Oh, he,
0: is he? Yeah, he was Fantastic. just in the
1: finals of the UK Championships there and he, he got beat in the final. <gasps> no, um, but he's number he's he's one of the top pool players in the world. Wow. And it's because honestly, I believe it's because we were the two youngest of a family of eight. Really. And by that stage, mommy had stopped kind of pushing people out into get a good job in the bank or. Get a good job yeah. in the civil service so She'd stop you know, all that. Get, get a good trade so Ronan and I were kind of, we slipped in at the end yeah. and had the experience of all the others before yeah. us so sure. I was allowed to kind of pursue this interest in, in the arts mm. and in music and in and you literature and went,
0: you went on to university yeah. and,
1: and was the only one of the eight of us to go on Is to university right? yeah. my goodness. But, but Ronan by that stage my, my dad had, had leased a pub and so there was a pool table in the back of the pub and now, all Ronan wanted to do all day it was Play pool, yeah, yeah, um, and because he was the youngest and sporty brat, he got allowed to. But <laughs> uh, so he is now one of the top pool players in the
0: world. So, so he didn't come football. and wash the glasses; he just played pool. Oh <laughs> God, you're joking! <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> he didn't wash the glasses, but I, I guess that's my point: that if somebody not only has a passion for something but shows a flair for it or Mm. is good at it in some way that can be fine tuned no matter what it is and you know I had a niece and my sister kept pushing her into, into business and going to go to tech and study business studies all she had wanted to be from six years old was a hairdresser mm-hmm. um, and, and so we negotiated and I was like you really just let her let her do the business studies but let her start training her to be a hairdresser mm-hmm. she now has her own salon um, yeah. and she has clients who adore her and, and it is her own business fantastic great yeah. hairdresser do you know it's, it's oh, that, so good isn't it's, it? it's that thing I just think you know uh, I th- and, and it leads to more fulfilled human beings oh, yeah, if you're exactly. actually doing the thing now tell, tell us about the TEDx talk the talk you did. Ah, uh, this is it. This is it. was in Glasgow. It was the, the most nerve-wracking thing I've ever done. It's very like
0: official, isn't it? It's very yeah. You know, it's streamed everywhere and
1: yeah. And you can you can tell, Katie I could stand up and talk for forty minutes. But, <laughs> you know, anything, but to, to be asked to actually say something meaningful in ten minutes with no notes, no prompts. Yeah. And 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 know that you're doing it both in front of a live audience, but then it's going to be in the ether forever mm-hmm. more because yeah. this gets. Stored the online then, and mm. um, was properly nerve wracking. Yeah, Karen Dunbar did it at the same time. And I was kind of yeah. I was I was listening to Karen's tweets and stuff beforehand, and she she said I'm absolutely shitting myself,
0: and I wanted to <laughs> message her
1: back. going I know exactly how you feel, yeah. um, and she and she did she did a brilliant job. about, yeah. about, about Comedy, actually, mm-hmm.
0: um, and so but she can also talk for the whole of the UK. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. she,
1: was, she did a great job of talking for Scotland. Yeah, um, was this recently. This is only yeah. This was kind of the end of June, start of July. Yeah, so yeah, yeah it's really recently.
0: So um, and, yeah, and you was, talked about you. Inspir- what what was your talk about again?
1: It was it was actually about this. It was it was well. It was about two things really. It was about um, about empowering people. Mm-hmm. to follow their passion yeah. and, mm-hmm. and what happens when you do that when you encourage and enable people to, to follow their passion and secondly it was about this idea of the arts and uh, and trying to kind of say it really isn't about just this narrow definition mm-hmm. of what arts are or aren't yeah. um, it should be but at, at its best the arts can be defined by what people bring to the table and can be a way of including and opening up big public conversations and 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 embracing everybody into it. When it becomes kind of ivory tower stuff, yeah. To me, that's when it kind of closes down doors and yeah. and keeps people outside rather than inside. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. If any of that makes any sense. Yes, it
0: does. <laughs> well, all the institutions, um, they all have so much paperwork, so you don't understand it. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know that you have to. I mean, Creative Scotland, if you want to apply for something, you know, there's rooms and rooms of paperwork. You need a specialist to actually, um, you know, apply, don't you think? Or am I being too controversial now?
1: (laughs) Oops! I suppose, um, you know, I suppose when when you're kind of talking about public funding, there always has to be mechanisms, because those organisations are accountable back to back to the public actually for, yeah. You know, to be able to say that money was spent and spent in an effective way so much as we all
0: hate those processes and I know, systems, I kind
1: of do understand the, the need for them to be there yeah.
0: um, Now you, your last point on uh, your daughters was learn a language have they managed it? It's really funny because that was, that's the one that we probably feel most
1: miserable at <laughs> And to be honest though and it it's partly about our school system
0: really? and again
1: this is one of the things that I'm you know I just find so frustrating the way the way the curriculum was divided up, you had to choose between arts or a language. Yeah. Can you believe that? Yeah. That's... So at A level, my daughter, who wanted to do art and French and literature, mm. had to lose one of those because she couldn't have the option to oh, do I'm the fine. three together. Yeah, it's um, ridiculous. So, but what's happened now is that the, the, there there's a there are two French people staying. Their dad runs an Airbnb place in Ireland, and there's two French people staying there. So now um, Dara is learning French. On a daily basis, so we've made a rule that whenever we all get together, we'd all speak our pigeon (laughs) French. What, over a meal or something <laughs> yeah 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 so it's was, it was very funny uh, <laughs> it was, it was great crack and they both they both speak a bit of, of Irish and grew up I mean they started off at a a, a bun school in Ireland which is one of the Irish language speaking schools mm-hmm. um, so their their minds are open enough I could think I kind of think once you've started to kind of learn a language or if you've had any foundation in learning a language mm-hmm. it does make it easier to Me come too. back to that further down the line yeah um, there's, yeah. there's some scientific thing behind it about synapses in your brain that open up
0: uh, if you're introduced to learning a language whenever or other languages whenever you're younger. So you know it's interesting in Scandinavia that whenever they go to school they learn English right away yeah. and nearly all the Scandinavian languages mostly. Mm-hmm speak English. You speak perfect English. Yes, yeah, yeah. indeed. But, but I, that's I, I'm doing it from so young as well, that yeah. just makes it so much easier. But, I, but I mean, I've I been trying to learn Norwegian for about four years, so it's <laughs> still ongoing, but I would love to be able to... you trying to learn it a lot longer than that. Alright.
1: mean, <laughs> 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 you've got a wee it's bit so of an
0: advantage there. <laughs> yeah, okay, exactly. I know. We well, just need to try and speak it more yeah. together. Anyway.
1: And on that note, Colin, yeah. is there any chance you might say something in
0: Norwegian? <laughs> the one thing I would say is I don't like listening to myself speaking Norwegian on... Really? No, I, I said something when we were in Norway. We did the Norway Yeah, one, you took your And reason. I said something in Norwegian and I just thought, oh no, I don't want to hear myself. Because <sighs> my cousins, one of my cousins, my younger cousin, she always teases me because my... My grandparents were from the north of Norway, so I've got a sort of north Norwegian accent when I speak Norwegian, and it's also a bit, it's called ge- gebroken when it's, it breaks up a bit. So if in Norway they just accept how I speak... Yeah, yeah. But, um, sounds very impressive from my point of view, so <laughs> I can't tell. Uh, <laughs> see today uh, very cool <laughs> Wow! Oh, well, I'm impressed. <laughs> um, I will, I'm going to stop. I will say to you that, it's, that very... it's been very lovely talking to you. Yes. Well, Katie. See? thank you, Katie. <laughs> um, and what would you like to add as lifeless? What would what advice would you like to give, Katie? Well, I think the follow your passion thing has made me feel. Yeah, I feel very warm and fuzzy inside because I've I've always had a problem with that by recognizing what I'm passionate about because I I don't know I don't have like a hobby like musical instrument or you know building cars or anything like a, as a physical thing that I go and do that's not work and then actually just realizing no. I'm in it. I'm doing it. Yeah. And I'm passionate about this and it but doesn't feel This is a girl that had <laughs> gone to bla- glass blowing lessons. <laughs> <laughs> Went to glass blowing lessons. What else did you do uh, uh, origami you can do you're very good at drawing. What what other lessons did you go to? I've been to lots of very random evening classes. But we can yes. talk about that I know, but It means that you <laughs> do have hobbies you've um, just not
1: you but, know. I, but I think yeah, I think your point is so well made is actually realising this is it yeah exactly
0: this is, yeah, this is why I'm doing this. and what a privilege to be able to and to that we only that. have one life and if we don't get on with it it will pass us by yeah
1: oh for definite and it's too bloody short to wake up and do a job every day that either you really hate mm-hmm. or is just filling your day in exactly. or getting you a salary yeah and it's I those I mean and Karen you, you all know this from, from very Direct personal experience. I've never ever taken jobs on the basis of a salary. Mm-hmm. I've never done anything on the basis of what what income I'm going to get from mm-hmm. it. So I've had periods of my life where I, I didn't have a set job. Or mm-hmm. when the girls were small, there was about seven years where I ran my own company so That's that okay. I could manage my own time. Massive financial risk taken. I had to remortgage the house. All kinds of stuff. Yeah, but. But, but but that's what you do in order right. to live in a free kind of way mm. and in order to um, be able to control your own life yeah. and only do the things that yeah. you, you really believe in you're really passionate about because otherwise you're just passing your time aren't just, you? yeah, and like, that time. kind of life it is too freaking short Yeah, um, too freaking short for that I'm oh, yeah. sorry, I'm not cursing <laughs>
0: Uh, excuse right. me. Can I just say that every week I say to Katie, "Will you stop swearing?" I get nervous Which, and swear, so you're forgiven. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, that wasn't actually a swear
1: word. No, not it like, wasn't at all. Not either. like what I the, say. The, the, the one other thought, just for yourself, Katie, is, and I, I came to this at probably at, at such a late stage, but found it a real revelation. Um, only twice in my life um, was I given the opportunity to have a coach, yeah. um, and just that thing sometimes. And I mean, and both times it was only for like a week or you know a few days of their time. Yeah. But see, just having somebody who is trained to help you think through the answers. Yeah. It's just been it has made such a difference to me and two real key points in my life were i wasn't quite able to come to a decision myself mm-hmm. and then and then somebody recommended to me. Have you ever had a coach? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've just found that extraordinarily helpful. So
0: I, I agree entirely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what Katie should do. we we have had someone recommended to us and we've met with them, haven't we? Yeah. No, it's in such a stressful environment where uh, it's just finding, and it's so annoying that it's an excuse, but it's just finding time to do it, and you you do have to prioritise it, and at the moment we're not prioritising it. Well, I don't need it as much as you do. (laughs) But, yeah. you see, you said that, I mean,
1: and I said all that to myself mm-hmm. as well, but actually the time that it saves you. Oh yeah, in the, <laughs> run, in the long run, yeah. In the long run is just unbelievable. Yeah, because, of course. And, and, and a good coach doesn't give you the answers. Mm-hmm. They just ask you the right questions so yeah. you can come to the answers yourself. yourself. That's, That's right. right. And it's just so extraordinarily helpful. I mean, the, very, the first time I had somebody, they were from the health sector. They have nothing to do with culture and the arts or anything. Yeah, sure. Um, So it doesn't even have to be somebody who knows your business or who understands your
0: sector. It's just somebody who knows how to ask the right questions. Yeah, and it's somebody... I mean, as well as a coach, um, it's about talking to somebody as well because there's so much going on in my head a lot of the time. And, Mm. you know, mum's incredibly supportive and stuff, but I do need to be able to talk to somebody about what's going on. And I don't want to burden Karen with all (laughs) that as well
1: the the kind of last thought I have Mm. um, because I think it's relevant to anybody is the other thing that sometimes we can do and I saw when I look back at my younger self I saw myself do it a lot was always kind of feeling like I had to be at the lead of it or I had to be at the helm or it all had to be in my head Mm. and it it was really in the lead up to the whole dairy project where I knew that had to be completely devolved it had to be citywide. it had to be owned by everybody mm. somebody told me this mantra um, that was you can do great things if you don't care who gets the credit and I want to yeah. say it was one of the most liberating things anybody ever said to me because I yeah. was like you kind of think that you're driven by well people need to know I did this mm-hmm. and actually when you realise that you don't give a shit about that yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you important.
0: just want to do a good thing as long as you deliver yeah. a good thing yeah. Yeah, exactly. but that, that actually is a, is a young person's thing because they're when, when you're younger you want to achieve something so you want the credit for doing something and once you've achieved something you get more confident and then you can go on to I mean I think it's like it's like stand up comics or or people who want success in you know, mm. recognition. So once they're recognised they can calm down. Yeah. And yeah and be become nicer people actually. Yeah, but and I think it's making a revelation like that is where you realise actually no, it doesn't have to be me. It's yeah. a team or Exactly. It's exactly. Well, I think Katie's very good at, at thanking the, the all the our staff and, and giving them encouragement which I'm not as good as, at doing because I'm old school which is I'm learning <laughs> <laughs> You also don't need learning.
1: to worry about that anymore <laughs> oh get, thanks <laughs> you, you so get the very best of people though if you can find a way to actually allow them to do everything we've just been talking about pursue yeah. their passions allow them to kind of not just do the job that mm-hmm. you've got them in to do but understand what other things float their boat and Definitely. then suddenly you get the total yeah. best of people
0: Thank you so much. Thank you so oh, much. Really so, well, we have so much. And, to to and uh, I know you're such a busy woman, and we're only yes. a couple of weeks off the fringe. Yeah. And I know. <laughs> we, I hope you have a very good fringe. Yes, we we'll uh, have uh, a lovely good, good, good luck to Gilda Balloon. We've great yeah. okay friends this year. Thank you so much for being on Boss Women. <laughs> See you again.
1: there'll be days like this, there'll be days like this, Mama said.